0: Welcome to the Leadership Network podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Generation Next show. We are so glad you are here. My name is Hannah Gronowski barnett and that's my co-host over there.
1: Aaron Barnett. I'm so excited for this call. It's going to be amazing. Yes. We're really excited to hop on the Zoom call together.
0: That's right. That's right. And you might know, usually, if you've, if you've been on this um, these calls at any point, if you've been watching this show that we have every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, usually Aaron and I are sitting side by side in a different place. Uh, but today we are in different states. And so we are coming to you from different locations. So, hey, Aaron, it's good to see hey, you.
1: It's good to <laughs> see you. I'm so um, excited for this call.
0: Yeah, this is going to be great. For those of you watching right now, you know, uh, this is the Generation Next show. And we do this show because we truly believe that the next generation matters. And here we want to have a community, a space where we can have real, authentic, honest conversations about what the future of the church can be and how we as leaders can fully equip the next generation to feel safe and welcomed and seen and loved in our local churches. And because of that, we have been doing a three-week series on mental health and really the importance of this conversation for the next generation of the church. Now, we originally were going to have our friend Ben Bennett on the show, but we're going to have him on in a future week. And today, what we're going to kind of do is unpack some of the things we've heard in the last two weeks, and then also share some more about what we believe we can do to build churches where these conversations around mental health. Trauma and triggers are, are, are a places where our churches, we can have those conversations where, where that's not shame. That's not put this side, but it's a, a place where we can really say the next generation is welcome exactly mm-hmm. as they are. And Aaron, I know this is a conversation that matters a lot to you. And mm-hmm. this is that yeah. you can relate to in a lot of ways. And so I just thought it would be powerful. You know, a lot of times we're interviewing other people on this channel, but we don't always get to share our own unique perspectives or stories and how they relate to these topics. And specifically in this topic last week with Kobe, um, I mentioned that you have a kind of a part of your story where you walked through a season that was pretty dark and was pretty difficult. And it was a church community that really brought you out of that and showed you a better way. And so I just thought it'd be powerful for you to kind of share some of your story and your experience around this conversation on mental health.
1: Mm, that's so great. I think for me, uh, talking about this conversation can from a personal side can be uh, difficult. And so I just want to preference that before I dive into this conversation. I think when, it, when you have personally experienced meth- mental health um, in whatever degree it might be, Fair. I think you can find yourself either um, having a hard time to articulate words around the topic in general, And so I just wanted to start it off by that. But I think when it comes down to mental health and growing in your mental health, uh, pushing through your mental health, uh, finding healing through your mental health, uh, using your pain, using your difficulty, using your trial that you are going through um, for the better of not only yourself, but for God's kingdom um, and the people and the places around you, I think where we need to start is a place of where can healing begin? Where can healing start? Yes. And so I think in my own journey, there have been places and spaces where, um, you know, dealing with mental health and then um, coming out of that where triggers can start or, or situations can happen that can bring that arise back in your life. And so that's why I think it's very important to talk about healing stuff to start with. And so in my personal journey, um, when I was 18 to 23, I struggled with major uh, depression, I struggled with major suicidal ideation and dealt with this um, um, deep darkness that I felt like I couldn't uh, swim out of. It yeah. was fog, it was hard, it was difficult. You know, I I played football I was huge into football and I went from a 160 pound athlete um, lifting twice a day to uh, weighing about 120 pounds. And my mom would sit on the edge of my bed and fight for me. And so what I've learned from that is not only that the person that is going through the difficulty, but there's people around us as well that, are fighting for us and believing the best for us. And so when we talk about healing, I think we can go back to this place of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And with mental health, I think a lot of the times that when we're in difficulty or stress or trauma or hurt, or maybe dealing with depression or suicidal ideation, a lot of us just need some hope. And so the author of hope is Jesus. And so in my darkest times, in my difficult times, what I didn't see was that Jesus is hope. And I think more often than not, when we're in the middle of the crisis, when we're in the middle of the trauma, in the middle of the difficulty, it's difficult to see where hope lies, but where does it find find itself in? It's Jesus. And so, um, so healing can work itself out in a lot of different ways, but I found my hope through Jesus and I found my hope through community. Yes. And so if we want to find true healing, I think more often than not, it's going to come through the author of hope, which is Jesus. And the author and the creator of, 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 um, of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's a little bit about my journey is that, when, when we push towards healing, when we desire healing, when we desire um, to grow out of this pain or this difficulty, we, all, we know where healing starts, but the journey of working that self out or working yes. itself out is a process.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And what I love about you know your story and, and obviously, I know your story, you know in, in a lot of depth what I love about it is that when you were struggling, right, and it, through a, a long stream of events, you ended up walking into a young adult ministry in um, Green uh, Greenville, yeah. Yeah. South Carolina, and you weren't really sure even if you wanted to be there. Right. And at that point in your life. You weren't even sure what you thought about Jesus. And again, we talk about this all the time here in the show. That's where a lot of the next generation find themselves is maybe something's happened in their life and it's led them to some sort of isolation, depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, uh, trauma is being triggered in their life. And so they retreat from the church. They retreat from Jesus. And perhaps it's because they had some negative experience with the church but for some of them it's it's truly even just because their own mental illness their own struggles cause them to isolate cause them to get into an unhealthy place so you know we talk a lot about the reasons the next generation is leaving the church is because of what the church is doing but honestly sometimes it's simply because that the individual like young adults are struggling to such a deep level and they're isolating themselves right and they they are not sure if they go back to church if there will be space for them to be there in the midst of their brokenness Mm -hmm. and what i'm i'm grateful for right is you ended up walking to a community where you felt like you could be real where you were loved exactly as you were and then you were challenged to still grow Mm -hmm. and to still do the hard work and to heal and today you are the person that you are because of that. And so I just think this conversation is so exciting because I believe truly that there are so many other Aaron Barnett's around the country around the world right. who might have left the church for a variety of different reasons. And the moment they walk back into the churches that our watchers are are are, are starting, are building, are um creating, that they're gonna find a place where they can truly belong. And you know, one of the things that I've, I've heard so loud and clear from Lindsay Blodgett two weeks ago and then from Kobe Campbell last week is this idea that we we as, like our churches are not just going to stumble into becoming really good yeah. at, right. at caring for people with a mental illness. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to all of a sudden realize, oh, we just nailed that like interaction with that person that's sure that they're struggling with depression. We totally killed it. We didn't even mean to, right. That's not going to happen. We don't accidentally trip into being good at these conversations. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of intentionality, a lot of hard work, learning from experts, mm-hmm. doing the hard work. And what I, what I would guess is that based on my experience of being a leader, Aaron, you're a leader, we've both worked in church ministry and in, you know, nonprofit ministry, parachurch ministry, we know there's always a million things going on and there's always a million good ideas, right? I mean, I feel like I'm hearing a good idea every single week of things that we could do to build a generation, right. and expand right. and they're all good and they all matter. But at some point you have to decide which one's a priority. And so a lot of church leaders, I would guess would listen to these conversations and think that's great, but you know, we got to make sure that, you know, fall camp goes really well for our high school ministry. We have to make sure that, you know, we are that building campaign we're running is going well. We have to make sure that, you know, the kids' ministry hire we're trying to make happen. And so there's there's just so many priorities. Let let's just talk a little bit about, you know, why why do we think this is such a priority at this point? And how do we I would just even love your ideas, Erin? Like how do we as leaders? make this a priority without also being so naive to think that we can just drop everything else we're responsible for and just all of a sudden make our full-time job caring for people with mental illness? Like Mm -hmm. how how do we do this in the midst of our normal everyday responsibilities? Mm,
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Um, One thing that I think I'm thinking through Hannah is that Um, When it comes down to building or the implementation of caring for people that are going through mental health is obviously we have to implement, right? Obviously we have to build it. Obviously we have to create. But before we even do any of that, I feel like we first have to have a check in our spirit, a check in our heart is like, God, do I care for what breaks your heart? Do I care for the people that are broken? Do I care for the people that are hurting? Do I care for the people that are going through difficult times? Because mental health is a journey. And so a lot of it is how can you be in the the pit with someone over and over and over yeah. again? And so I think that's a great like starting place. But if we look at the life of Jesus, what is, what is very interesting about his life, he was um, – to really start this, to really implement it, to really make sure that we're doing it in the right ways. Jesus always had margin in his calendar for what mattered. So Jesus always had margin in his calendar for what matters. And Mm -hmm. so I think as followers of Jesus, as disciple makers, as leaders that care about the local church, care about our organizations, care about the future of the church, we have to care what God cares about. We have to care about what Jesus cares about. And he cared about the broken. He cared about the hurt. He cared about the down and out, the depressed, the painful parts that people are going through. And so I think if we model after the life of Jesus and we want to set our organizations or the local church up to thrive, to flourish, to expand, to multiply, to grow, we have to care about the broken and have a heart for them as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that you just hit on something so important, this idea of margin, right? Mm-hmm. And and why did Jesus have margin? And you just said this so well, it's, it's so that he had time for people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think if we really boil this conversation down, it's really a conversation around being proximate to people who are hurting exactly like you just said. And I I do believe that is, that is the next step that yes, at some point we need to work hard to build some systems and structures. But if we, if we find ourselves in a point in our life, where we're wondering, is this worth it? Do I have time for this? I think that we have to take a step even before the building, the processes and changing the culture of our church, what we need to do first, we need to make sure that we know people who are struggling with mental illness, with depression, yeah. with anxiety, with suicidal ideation, if we're not proximate to them, we're never going to have the heart to actually build a church for them, right? right? right. And so I I truly believe, and this is honestly a takeaway for an, almost any conversation with the next generation, is are we spending time with the next generation? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was... Um, I mean, this happens all the time today with the young leaders that I'm raising up, that we're raising up at Generation distinct. that we're proximate to these young leaders. We do so much life with them virtually, on the phone, um, in person when we're in their cities around the country. But I go back and I think back to when I was uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, all the way until last year when I was a small group leader for my group of young women. And if you've been on this show, you've probably heard me talk about this. Um, this is where I really learned. How to disciple, like what discipleship mm-hmm. meant wow. when I was 17 yeah. years old. I started discipling a small group of middle school girls and ended up being their leader and discipling them all the way through when they graduated mm-hmm. from high school. And they That's went cool off to college uh, about a year ago. They were the junior bridesmaids in our wedding last May, 2021. Um, and and still, I get to be a part of their lives. Some of them were just home from college over the summer, and I got to hang out with them. And and I just, I love them so deeply but i actually don't believe my heart for people with with mental illness and depression and self harm and anxiety was born out of statistics hmm. like that's not that's not why i have a heart for this conversation it's not because oh. i just read a lot of information about what's happening in the next generation it's not because i just you know saw a video of some person i had never met that shared how much the next generation is struggling right. with
1: no, the reason
0: my heart is broken over and I am actively it was using my voice, using my platform to talk about why we need to talk about this mm-hmm. is because I would sit with these young women who I had grown to love so much. And I mean, it wasn't just one of them. It was multiple of them. I would sit with them. And I was the first person they would roll up their sleeves and they would say, Hey, here's Here's the scars. Wow. I've never told anyone I'm, I'm hurting myself almost every night. Wow. And some of them would say, and really it's because I, I want to take my life. Others would say, I'm just lonely. Others would say, my parents are getting a divorce. Others would say, I can't get out of bed in the morning because I'm so anxious and depressed. I don't even want to go to school. right? And so this is not a statistical conversation for me. This is a personal conversation for me, Mm -hmm. a conversation where I saw young women who they would have disappeared from youth group. They would have faded into the background because they were too depressed to even get Mm -hmm. out of their rooms, right? Except that I knew them. Mm -hmm. And so I would pull up in front of their house and say, Get in the car, I'm taking you to youth group. And again, not because I was doing anything great, it was because simply there is power in proximity Mm -hmm. when it's a real relationship when it's somebody that i know that i care about i'm going to care about what they're struggling in a different way and so all that to say i just really do believe that the next step might not be for every pastor or church leader to go out and and again create the perfect strategy tomorrow
1: but Mm -hmm. to say Mm -hmm.
0: you have a couple of people who are in the next generation, I'm saying young adults, I'm saying 18, 19, you know, I'm, I'm talking about high schoolers, college students. How can you say, Hey, I want to take you out for a coffee. Hey, come over for dinner with my family. How can you become proximate to them? Because you can't become proximate to the next generation that quickly becoming proximate to people who are struggling with mental illness.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And I think to add to that, that to really come alongside of people, I think Um, as leaders, maybe you're a senior leader watching this call right now and you're like, this is amazing. This is great. Um, I don't know what's next or how I should start this or what I should do. Um, I think what we could do as like CEOs or or executives uh, on teams is we can create and craft great values and we can cast vision. But I think there's a part of casting great vision and creating values, but bringing clarity around ownership. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is I think that Jesus was so good at having personal ownership and the yeah. feeling a personal weight and responsibility for the brokenness of humanity mm-hmm. and, and the deep pain that they're experiencing. Sure. And so when I think about where we need To start, and sometimes within our organizations, about creating a greater strategy for mental Mm -hmm. health, it's it's maybe birthed in I am going to personally own this. I'm going to personally um, caretake this or or take care of this mission, right? And so I think one thing that you're touching on really well with proximity is Jesus with was proximate to people, but he Mm -hmm. felt a personal ownership to care for people. And yeah. so I think that's like, like a great place uh, to start and to think through as well. Hannah, I would love to be curious on your mind. Um, you've also have dealt, um, even with things in your family, with struggles that you have dealt with as a, as a family unit, your immediate family. I would yeah. love to learn a little bit about um, how you have processed
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: painful parts in your journey uh, whether you wanted them or not, whether you um, desired to be a part of that or not, how have you personally um, owned or created um, a healing pathway um, sure. for yourself through the difficulties that you've experienced?
0: Yeah, it's great. I think this question hits on something that's really important for us to talk about in this conversation. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I don't think we can have a conversation around caring for people who are struggling with mental illness, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, without talking about how all of that is also affecting the people around them. Mm -hmm. As churches, we, we are not just called to care for the people that are struggling. We also need to care for the families and the loved ones and the friends and the people who are struggling because whether, whether we realize it or not, the family, the loved ones of somebody who's struggling with, with this severe mental illness, these traumas, uh, it it deeply affects their lives too. Wow. And they might not have signed up for it. They might never have thought it would be their lives. But there is an entire group of people who are exhausted, hmm. who are deeply burdened, who are wondering every day if they did something wrong, if they made a mistake, if they drop the ball if they weren't enough mental illness is really impacting not just the people struggling right. but the ones of the people struggling and in my in my life and story um i lost a a family member to suicide um, when i was about 19 or 20 and you know, it, it's again, it's not something that you ever think will happen to you. It's not something that you ever expect to be a part of your story. And the the pain and the 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 grief is, I would say, in some ways, probably very similar to how other people lose a, a family member or somebody deeply close with them. However, there's also all of the mixed trauma of the questions th- that you'll probably never have answered, the the um frustration, some of the the guilt that you might feel, or other people will put the blame on the individual themselves. There's can be anger and then guilt from feeling anger towards this person that you just lost, right? So there's there's all this the, the wide spectrum of emotion of grief added with all these these different emotions that are tied to losing somebody who, in some way or fashion, made the choice themselves. And so the reason I I want to say that is just is just to normalize and to kind of bring to life if somebody's watching this and they've never directly dealt with losing somebody close to them from um, suicide or or have never walked along somebody side of somebody who's struggling with mental health or depression or anxiety. To acknowledge that there also has to be a space in your church to care for the people that are caring for people with mental Mm -hmm. illness, because Mm -hmm. it's a heavy journey is it is difficult and it's um, it can be exhausting and it can very quickly turn into something that actually leads this, the the loved ones into their own mental health, uh, mental Mm -hmm. illness because of the emotional toll it takes to care for somebody who's struggling at a deep level. And the loved ones of people who are struggling with mental illness need allies who will be alongside of them, right? One of the most amazing parts of my church story, and you know, I've been in church since I was a baby, an infant. My parents raised me in the church, but still to this day, one of the most memorable moments in church for me was the Sunday after, um, I actually got the call about this, this family member while I was at small group. And I remember, um, people showing up for me right after it happened, uh, my pastor coming by and being with my family. Um, and I remember, you know, the word kind of spread because I was at small group when I got the call, And the very next Sunday, you know, it's those moments where you don't want to go to church, but you still choose to. And I showed up at church and my friend group had written me letters um, to encourage me to share that they were with me, to share that they were standing with alongside of myself and my family. And I remember feeling so seen, so safe, so loved by my church community. And that's because my church community was willing to acknowledge the pain was willing to acknowledge wow. the grief. And so wow. um, if you're a church leader listening to this, um, if you're a next gen pastor, I mean, so many of us have, have experienced this. It's rare that, that we don't have somebody in our life who are struggling to a, an extreme degree. And um I, I just think it's really important for us to create places where even the people who are grieving, the people that are struggling to love the people that are, that are struggling Um, have a safe place as well. And then the last thing I would say is um, I've been meeting, we both have, obviously we, we know this um, with the emotional health coach. He serves as like a counselor figure for us the last, you know, almost three years now, which is amazing. And I've had so many conversations with him about um, my process of, unpacking some of the trauma of what I walked through losing somebody to a mental illness. And through that process, I've recognized how important it is that we talk about this. Um, I I was recently on a, or about a year ago, I was on a mental health or mental illness panel and I was invited to be on this. And and personally, I've never struggled with mental illness. And so I remember this, um, this, individual who had brought me onto this panel, I reached out about a week before and I just said, hey, I just want you to know I've I'm honored to be on this panel. I've never personally been impacted by this. Um so I'm not sure why you have me being on this panel. And he said, the reason I want you on this panel is not because you've specifically struggled, but I want you to represent all the people and speak to the experience of all the people who are the loved one, the friend, the family member of somebody who is struggling. Wow. And I want you to speak to that unique experience. And it was really encouraging and empowering, even for me in that moment, to recognize and give myself permission to say, yes, this is a unique This is a unique trauma in and of itself to walk Mm -hmm. alongside people who are struggling. And so whether, whether, you know, whether this is okay. Acknowledge even, you know, if in your youth group, in your church, if there is somebody who is a key volunteer, somebody on your staff, somebody who's the, the, you know, really a normal student at your youth group, if there's somebody who's struggling in your church community Yes, make sure that you have a process and a system to care for that person. But let's also ask the questions, do we have a system to process with the rest of the community around them? Mm to see how they're processing through knowing your friend is struggling, right? If you, if somebody in your staff comes and shares that they are struggling with mental illness or even suicidal ideation, are you just focused on that person? Are you caring for the entirety of the staff as they walk alongside of their fellow man or fellow woman who's walking through this? And so I, I, yeah, I just, I love that you brought that up, Aaron, because I think that might be the final piece of this conversation. That's really important is we need processes to care for the individual that's struggling and also the community around the person
1: Mm -hmm. who's struggling. Yeah. And I think just to add to that real quick, um, I think God is like this, um, um, I feel like he creates beautiful stories, right? We, we read the Bible and he's like a a beautiful storyteller. Um, he's the author of life. Um, He's the author of my life, and he's creating a in real time a beautiful storyline of um, uh, pain and um, uh, and bringing people out of pain to walking and and setting their feet upon a rock, which is the firm foundation, right? And one thing I wanted to touch about or touch on real quick is um, is the storyline that we as people. Uh, we as pastors, we as leaders are creating. And I think um, there was a a law in uh, John Maxwell's book called The Law of Initiation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what is so key is that Mm -hmm. when we get a narrative or a story of something happening and we're someone to hear, our reaction, our immediate reaction to the story taking place that is happening around us, really tells us like where we are. And I think what we can really quickly say is like, well, that's not my problem. That's someone else's problem. That's someone else's job to care. That's someone else's person um, to love. But I think when we look at the life of Jesus and, and living a life of ownership and living a life as a leader, when we take personal responsibility, who, Remember the story.
0: Yes. To remember
1: and hold that I'm a part of a greater story that God is writing. And yeah. so when we think about the power of choice and choosing to engage, choosing to be a part, choosing to love, choosing to step in, choosing to risk in the unknown, choosing to give it all when we don't have anything in the tank, choosing to pour out again and again and giving compassion over and over and over again. I think what we're gonna see is a beautiful
0: inheritance
1: yes. that is coming and waiting for us.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just so grateful even that we're having this conversation because of what you're saying, that we get to partner with what God's doing to bring about hope and beauty in this world, right? Philippians talks about this. Philippians talks about that. Our opportunity, our invitation as followers of Jesus is to think on things that are good, that are lovely, that are admirable, that are noble, that are trustworthy. My mom would say these words to us all the time when we were growing up. She had it in a little frame on our front table and when we had to make a decision about who we should be or what we should do, she would always say, Well, is it, is it based on what Philippians says? Is it, is it true? Is it good? Is it trustworthy? Is it noble? Is it honorable? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity to build our churches where we're saying we're going to think on things that are beautiful. And and not that we ignore pain because pain does not necessarily Contradict what beautiful is. Beautiful is real. Beautiful is authentic. Beautiful is when we, as a community, can come together and say, "I'm going to be honest with where I am. I'm going to stand with you when you're struggling." That mm-hmm. I believe, in some ways, is is also what it means to think on the things that are beautiful together. Wow. Wow. And whether somebody's high and, and, and doing great or low and struggling, and we're all going to be in probably both those places at different seasons that we're going to have people linking arms with us in our churches saying, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to build a life that is beautiful alongside of you. And I'm not going to leave mm-hmm. you
1: behind. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Hannah, Um, I would love if we could uh, real quick, um, We're about to be finished with this combo, but is there anything that you um, think we should add when it comes down to, um, I know you have this phrase of living a life that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's such a compelling phrase. Like when, when I hear it, I'm immediately awestruck that it, it takes me back to this place of like, without purpose sitting Mm -hmm. in this place of depression, sitting in this pain of not knowing what's tomorrow holds or if I want to be here, even Um, when it comes down to living a life that matters, Mm -hmm. um, we might have a senior leader watching on this call um, and we mentor the next generation and pour into the next generation. I would love to hear why it's, um, important and a a mandate from heaven to care about his kids by Mm -hmm. believing that there is um, a wrong that someone was born to make right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I would love for you to maybe touch on that when it comes down to purpose and calling and and the future of a leader and their leadership and their potential and um, the life of of uh, that a leader gets to walk out. I would just love to have you unpack that for a little bit.
0: Yes, I, I'm. I love that we're going to end this series with this conversation with this topic because I believe to my core, and you've heard me say this so many times, Erin, but I truly believe to my core that there is nothing that can disqualify us from the purpose and calling God's place mm. in our lives. Wow. That even when we're in our lowest lows, when we are depressed when we're anxious when we're overwhelmed, when we are gripped by trauma, when we are the victims of things we never would have chosen, when we are walking alongside family members or loved ones who are struggling, when we are in the midst of it all, that even in those moments there is nothing that can disqualify us from the calling that God has placed on our lives. Wow. And so, if you're if you're listening to this right now, and you are somebody who's struggling, that maybe you've never even told anyone before, uh, but you have been really deeply struggling with mental illness in this season, and you feel alone, you feel unsure if you can tell anybody, you're not sure how will be received at your church or in your community. I just want you to know. There is nothing that can disqualify you from the calling God has placed on your life. Mm. Before the wow. beginning of the world, when your name came up, I picture God smiling. Mm. I picture him assigning you with a beautiful, essential, pivotal role in his master plan to bring hope and redemption and beauty, mm. and restoration, okay. and justice into this world. And so I just want you to know. That even if you share what you're going through and it's not well received, there is a place, and that is in the presence of our God, where all things are safe, Mm -hmm. where you can express all of your doubts and all of your struggles, and you will still be seen and loved and not disqualified from your purpose. We see all throughout scripture that God used the most unlikely. Overlooked, defeated, small, weak, mentally struggling kinds of people to accomplish his will in this world. So many of the Psalms were David crying out with anguish. There are so many moments where Jonah was depressed and down, Job was in, in the depths of despair. There were so many moments where the people that we put up on this pedestal of being powerful, amazing leaders for the kingdom were individuals who were struggling.
1: Mm.
0: Wow. And yet, God still used them. Wow. If you are struggling today, I want you to know you're not disqualified. Mm. God can and will use you to accomplish unique things in the world. Hi, Dave. <laughs>
1: And that is Dave Ferguson.
0: (laughs) I love it. And so I just, I want to encourage you that, that, that you have permission to struggle if you're watching this right now. And then at the same time, if you are leading people who are struggling, I want you to continue to remind them that they are allowed to be human. They are allowed to struggle while also receiving that God has a beautiful, powerful plan for their life. So good.
1: good. Well, that was so great.
0: This has been such a great series. I'm so grateful that we've been able to have this conversation here on Generation Next um, show. I truly believe if you have not been watching all three weeks of this series, it's it's truly been one of my favorite series week one with Lindsay Blodgett week two with Kobe Campbell Campbell. It has been powerful. And I believe, an essential conversation for the future of the church. And so if you're watching this right now and you have gleaned something from it, you are saying, I, I think we need to do some work in our church and our community to create more safe places for people struggling with mental illness. I want to encourage you to share this link um, with your community. You can watch this back um, on the Leadership Next or on the Generation Next Leadership Network site. You can go to um, the Generation Next tab on leadership network and find all of the shows that you can rewatch. And I would just encourage you to send these episodes to your volunteer team, your staff, your executive team, and say, Hey, what would it look like for us as a church to create safe places for the next generation in our church community?
1: So good. Well, we will see you back next week. Um, Thank you all so much for being here today.
0: Thank you all. And we will see you guys soon. We're so grateful to be a part of this community with each and every single one of y'all. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom and pursue what is next. Visit LeadNet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts and more. That is LeadNet.org.